Hello, my name is David Lesner, and I'm one of the pastors at Creekwood United Methodist Church. We are located in Fairview, Texas, right east of Allen, just north of the Dallas area. The sermon you're about to hear was recorded at one of our worship services, which we'd love to invite you to check out live at 8.30 a.m. for traditional or 11 a.m. for contemporary on Sunday mornings on our Facebook page or the recorded version on YouTube. We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC or our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God. Here is scripture for this week. Luke 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or an attributor over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Eternal God, may these words and meditations and musings of all of our hearts, minds, and souls not only be acceptable to you, but seek that we may find you at the center of our lives and share the love that is represented in Jesus Christ. Amen. A-dubs, that's what I call myself when I talk to myself. A-dubs. I think you've been working so hard and diligently lately, I thought I would bring our favorite candy this morning, cherry Twizzlers Bites. In fact, you know, there's enough here that I can probably pick off for about 20 minutes. You know, and you know, since we're already here and this candy's here conveniently, what say you and I just chillax, you know? Pig out. I got nothing else going on, right? I mean, this is it. Now, before I lose my job, uh, this wasn't just about eating candy and preaching, which has always been a long dream of mine. My point is to show one way of how we can be very self-centered and um, how toxic and dangerous it is to have very self-centered perspective. So thank you for your patience. I have to swallow this. (laughs) Most of what I was saying to myself was focused on just my own needs or my own desires, even though I was surrounded in a room full of all of you. 
this type of self-centered perspective where we can close ourselves off and not pay attention to the needs of others right next to us, it's something we're all capable of doing, right? While we may not choose to go into a room full of people and showcase our self-interest, the reality is that there are many ways and things, stuff that just can disconnect us from others. In our culture, there seems to be an endless amount of tangible distractions, things that can wall us off from seeing others and the needs of others right next to us. Most of us don't have to reach further than our own pocket to find something that can wall us off and keep us from seeing each other more fully. So this really begs the question, where does our self-centeredness and our awareness of that collide with striving to love God and our neighbor more fully? Looking at today's scripture, the issue of self-centeredness is front and center, right? Right away, we're thrown into a family dispute where a younger brother comes to Jesus and he wants him to uh, settle an issue over inheritance. And I say younger brother, it's inferred that it's a younger brother because in this context of first century Palestine, the eldest son would be guaranteed inheritance. So this younger sibling is coming to Jesus wanting him to do something about it. I gotta admit, when I first read over this text, as a younger sibling, I selfishly wanted Jesus to take a side on this matter. Once and for all, Jesus could have made it clear that it is God's desire to give ultimate preferential treatment to younger siblings. But as we come to find out, the real issue here has less to do with family than it does with discerning what is it that we are putting at the center of our lives. This is where the parable comes in, a story that shows the tension between selfishness and faith. The rich farmer in the text, you know, when I've read this before, it, it always amazes me. It, he's not singled out as being bad or foolish for having money or wealth. God doesn't take issue with that. What seems to be the issue is that this huge harvest that the farmer wasn't expecting now will only serve to just benefit himself. You know, at that time, in that context, being a, a farmer, a landowner, was very complicated and hard work. In order to even think of achieve, achieving a life of ease or success, the farmer would have to build large buildings, like huge silos around his property. That's what he's referencing in the text. These were called nubilariums. A nubilarium was a large enough building that it had enough space to hold an entire harvest. And next to that would be a granary or a shed. And next to that would be the farmer's house so that he could secure and keep watch over everything. It's not wealth that God takes issue with. It's the isolation and self-centeredness that the farmer has chosen to live by. He is literally building up walls to separate himself so he doesn't have to see others around him. We just got a new fence, and <laughs> we were talking about the height, and we're like, oh, maybe we want a bit more privacy. I kind of feel like this is related. <laughs> the man is so self-centered that he only talks to himself. He only seeks his own advice to make this foolish decision. 
he has no direction. He's accountable only to himself. Now, can you think of anyone that this reminds you of, this selfish farmer? Someone that's rich, powerful, only concerned about their own needs, wants to build large structures to wall people off and can't stop talking about themselves. Anyone? Anyone? Back to the parable. The rich farmer is so selfish and blind to the needs of others that it actually causes God to interject into the story. This doesn't happen in any other parable. God crashes into the story and calls him a fool. Fool in the Greek is aphron. Aphron, the core of that word, describes a person who lacks perspective, someone who can't see the entire picture. I think the parable asks us a couple of important questions. One, regarding the material and temporary things that can occupy so much of our lives, like smartphones and social media, are these things causing us to lose perspective about God and those who are around us? The other question is, whom or to what are we holding ourselves accountable? If the answer is a smartphone, a job title, a house, an ambition of stats, or anything else that builds up walls and separates us where we cannot see God or our neighbors more fully, then we open ourselves up to experience a kind of spiritual decay. As one theologian said about this parable, you and I were not simply made by God. You and I were made for God. If we take this parable at face value, it seems that we are encouraged to be concerned about how God is at the center of our lives. And from that God-centered place, how can we recognize and think about how we are caring for others? Let me say, I have nothing wrong with having possessions. In fact, for example, I love my Cannondale CAD 6, a carbon fiber bike. It, it rides like a dream. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> but as soon as that bike starts to draw my focus away from others, if I can ride that bike past others and not think of, be concerned about the human need that is right in front of me, then that object, that bike, becomes something so much more dangerous. And this is something we all know. We are all held accountable and aware of how we can be held accountable by things that blind us and wall us off. And this can create a fracture within us if we're not careful. It's a fracture that will numb us and struggle to live a life that God yearns for us to experience, a life to be centered in God by supporting and loving one another. Our center is rooted in following a selfless example of Jesus Christ, where we choose to seek out the least of these and the most vulnerable in our community, not just to give them something, but that their needs can become our own. When we do this, we're not simply holding ourselves accountable to God or our neighbor, but we are entering into a much deeper relationship of love and that hopefully spreads with everyone we encounter. This may sound grandiose, but I want to believe in that. I need to believe in that. That this is a love that transforms ignorance into compassion and understanding and indifference into sacred solidarity. Before coming to Creekwood, I worked at Grace United Methodist Church in East Dallas, and when I was there early on, um, I was part of a scholarship 
scholarship-based housing program called the Epworth Project. So essentially, Epworth Project took seminary students to live in what's called an intentional community. So we would share life together through prayer, um, local service projects, and offering hospitality uh, to those who were around us. And for us in East Dallas, who lived in what was called the Dietrich Bonhoeffer House, at that time, the community that we befriended, you know, if you think about Baylor, um, Big Baylor, near downtown, there's a lot of foot traffic, the community that we befriended were uh, homeless friends. And they really became our neighbors. So one of the core tenets of being at Bonhoeffer or any other Epworth house was hosting a weekly community meal. And when we did, and it was really great to hear Kat's children's sermon, you know, same with community. It's not just food that was being offered. I felt the same way about these meals. We offered each other hospitality, the gift of listening to one another, to seeing and experiencing one another's stories, often people who could find food but couldn't find a place to share their stories. One of the incredible people I got to know living at Bonhoeffer, which is, I mean, just a parking lot away from Grace, so I had like the sweetest commute for a while. Um, one of the incredible people I got to know, his name was Mike Roy. Mike passed away earlier this year, but when I think about someone who lived a God-centered life, I can't help but think about Mike. He would look around and care for the needs of others, not just himself even when he had very little. Mike would find shelter most nights on the streets. He felt comfortable there and made do with carrying things around in a, a grocery cart, but he called it a buggy. And he did that with the few possessions that he had. Mike was one of the most considerate persons I have ever met. He was also a very hard worker. He would go around downtown in the fringes of uh, downtown Dallas finding cans or aluminum that he could then recycle and get paid in exchange for modest profits. But one of the things I love most about Mike is how he practiced generosity and sharing. All of the meals that we had at Bonhoeffer House, he would just share these stories of leaving um, socks or jackets or granola bars for other people in the streets, even when he had very little. Often when the weather would get really bad, Mike would use some of the money that he wisely earned to stay at a motel, but he rarely ever did so alone. He would always seek people out in the neighborhood that he knew and would help them by inviting them to come and stay sheltered in a motel with him. Despite difficult conditions and having very little but comfortable means in life, Mike wasn't centered on just caring for himself. He constantly looked beyond his own needs and his own situation to care for others as a loving child of God. Friends, we too, as loving children of God, in our own unique ways and abilities and resources, are called to extend that care for others around us. We are invited daily to step out into the world and try to shed these these chains of the temporary things of life that can so often keep us tethered to not seeing and welcoming the needs of others. Because when we shed that, we're able to bind together as one God-centered community 
where care and hope can be shared through stories or small things. In a world that so often seems to be in discord, seeing the needs of and then caring for one another seems like a rare commodity. Together with a collective attention set towards each other and our neighbors, I really believe that we can not only respond to a world in need, but try to change and make it a little better. And we do this through God's healing spirit. God's healing spirit, that is the core of who we are. It's God's healing spirit that is our hope that guides us to finding ways to bind with one another and to daily offer each other, all whom we call neighbor, care. We go forth doing so not as individuals focused on self-interest, but as a community rooted in compassion, pursuing this God-centered life together. Will you pray with me? Eternal God, center us in your desire to heal and share love with all created things. Guide us to show your love in the unique and diverse ways that you have formed in each of us. May we work towards unity, not discord. Model after the grace and life of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC and our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.